All right, welcome to the free stretch here on JoeBucksFan.com. Bobby Fenton with you, divisional round edition of the show. In 48 seasons, this being the 48th of Buccaneer football, only the eighth time they have been this far. And, you know, I always get sentimental when they get this deep. Lately, it's been a more regular occurrence. This is the third time in four years it's been that way. And obviously they won the Super Bowl one of the times, had a heartbreaking loss to the Rams. The other one, a chance now as underdogs to go on the road to Detroit in a place that knows a thing or two about being an underdog, although they're not this week, and try to take away what I can tell. I mean, these people, and I don't blame them. I'm not ripping Detroit fans. But they think that they're entitled to this after all the suffering they've been through. And it has been a lot of suffering. That was only the second time ever They've won a playoff game against the Rams this past weekend. And it was an incredible atmosphere. Very emotional at Ford Field. Hopefully too emotional. Hopefully, and not that you let down in playoff games because it's not like the regular season. But hopefully, even though they won the game, it took a lot of emotional capital away. I have a feeling they'll be ready to go, though, on Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m., as the Bucks go up there and try to get to the NFC Championship game for what would only be the fifth time in franchise history if they're able to do that. But an absolutely stellar, phenomenal, impeccable, whatever adjective you want to use, performance against the Eagles on Monday night. And I am not one of those guys that says, hey, this is good enough. I don't care what happens now. Every time you win, you want to win again. The Bucs want to win the Super Bowl. We as fans want them to win the Super Bowl. But I'll say this. I think this is probably true for almost everybody listening. They have wildly exceeded what I thought was possible this year. And I'm not even one of the people that thought they'd be bad. Like a lot of people had them picked, besides I think the Cardinals, as the second worst team in the league. I think Todd Bowles was tied for the favorite to be the first coach fired. And even as recently as less than a month ago, it still looked like that might happen or could happen. Baker Mayfield, all oh, these guys are, they, they, they got all the dead cat money. They're rebuilding. They're signing these guys to cheap contracts like Mayfield, just hoping it works out. It's not going to work out. Bucks are going 4-13. and 13. That was the consensus, and I didn't believe that. But even I told you, I think the first show we did before the regular season, week one game, I said, I remember saying that there was a wide range of records this team could finish with that wouldn't surprise me, ranging from, yeah, 4-13. and 13. I wouldn't have been shocked. All the way up to, I think I said 10 and 7 was the highest I could imagine them going. And I wasn't going to be surprised about anything in that window. So it ended up being on the high end. It ended up being 9 and 8. But beyond that, you know, this wasn't like last season to go 8 and 9, limp into the playoffs. Nobody thought they were any good. Even before this Eagles game, it felt different than last year, where I thought Dallas would come in here and just have their way with the Bucs, who looked like they were just, you know, barely deserved to even be out there. And it proved to be true. And instead, they go out there and they absolutely take it to the Eagles in what was an, I mean, just God mode level of defensive coordinating by Todd Bowles, among other things in that game. And Dave Canales had a great game too. But man, and listen, all the national media talk about that game. And we're, we're going to spend some time on the Eagles game just because, hey, we should enjoy these types of things. But of course, we're looking ahead to Detroit now. But all the national talk was about, oh, man, from the Eagles' perspective, what happened to them? And there was some credit given to the Bucs, but you know how it is. I mean, I know how it is, having always you know, grown up here and followed the Bucs and all Tampa teams. It's, it's always going to be from the perspective of the other guy, especially when you're playing a more well-known or a big market team like the Eagles. But 
I'll say this. First of all, that's a messed up Eagles team, to be fair, and not to take away anything from the Bucs. Something, I don't know what's going on over there, but when you don't go 10-1 and one and then end the way they ended without something. And I think Booger McFarland tweeted it. He's like, it'll come out, but there's something going on. That's, that's more than just, hey, we had a couple injuries in the secondary, which they did, and that definitely didn't help. But it's more than that. And during the game, the game actually reminded me, it's funny because it reminded me of the Super Bowl against the Chiefs because you go in as an underdog, you feel like, oh, man, this is going to be tough. And then the Eagles weren't quite as formidable looking as the Chiefs were going into the two games. But I remember that Super Bowl, and it started out, and things were going really well. Like the Bucs, you know, and just like this one, the Bucs drove down the field, settled for a field goal when you wanted a touchdown. But still, that, that opening drive for the Bucs was a positive. Defense keeps getting stops. And I'm thinking, hey, the other shoe's going to drop eventually. Philly's going to figure it out. And you never feel safe, even though the Bucs, like, really never trailed. It was 13-0. I was frustrated that it wasn't more. It felt like it should be more, right? Like, the Bucs kept letting some chances go by the boards. They kept kicking field goals. Then it was 16-9. Felt like total domination, but you couldn't let yourself believe it. Plus, the scoreboard, it's, eh, it's only 16-9. Uh, we should be up by more. It should be 20-9 or 20-10. You know, two-score, three-score lead. And it just... As the game and as the second half went on, you start to kind of realize this is what happened in the Super Bowl. I'm like, you know what? I, I think, I mean, I'm conditioned to wait for the other shoe to drop, but I don't know. I think we might just flat out be kicking their ass right now. And you're like, after you finally get to the fourth quarter, you're like, yep, okay, that was an ass kicking all the way through. It just took me a while to realize it. And I remember the Chiefs game felt that way, and that's how this Eagles game felt. But I remember I was at the game Monday night with my family. We all went, great atmosphere. And I uh, had a lot of fun. Eagles fans, there were a few, but not too many. It wasn't that bad. But anyway, uh, my buddy Drew came along with us, who I've been going to Bucks games with since we were, you know, grade schoolers. And I kept turning to him, like, and it was not that the Bucks weren't doing great, but I was like, what the hell is wrong with these guys, like, about the Eagles? Like, they, and again, Todd Bowles, I mean, let's give credit where it's due. After the Colts game, I think it was the Colts game, I pretty much threw my hands in the air, and I was like, you know what? I, I tweeted it out. It's still up there. I'm not going to delete it. I always eat it when I'm wrong. I said, don't let this stuff bother you. Whatever happens, we need. if it's going to be this way, we need it to be this way. At least we can make a change. At least we can move forward. You know, we, we as a franchise need to think big picture here and think about what the next steps are to get to where we want to be as a franchise, not just the 2023 bucks. So I said, don't even worry about it. Don't let this team make you angry. Whatever. I mean, I was ready to just mail it in. Firing Todd Bowles seemed like an inevitability at that point. And it was like, hey, fine. You know, I'm not rooting for them to lose, but I'm not going to get all upset about it because we need to think along the lines of the future. And then they reeled off the winning streak they had. And even with that, like I told you a minute ago, like people were talking about firing Todd Bowles if they didn't win that Carolina game. I even heard some people talking about it if they – you know, they did win the Carolina game, but oh, if they don't win a playoff game, you know, what do they do? They just won a bad division and got hammered again by uh, an NFC East team. And some people were saying even that might not have him. I, I thought he was safe with the Carolina win. I thought he was safe even before that, honestly. I mean, I think they showed enough. But, but it doesn't matter now. The point is, the point is, things can turn fast in the NFL. And that goes both ways. And you always got to remember, it's going to regress to the mean I used to believe in windows a lot more than I do now. Like, oh, our window's open. Here we go. This is the window. This is... And you know what? It really, I mean, when, you, when you're right there and you have a chance, and I still don't think this Bucks team is, you know, 
elite elite. Although, like I told you before, you get into that final eight, that's the cutoff line to me. Like divisional round weekend is when you're really talking about something special. But with that said, okay, I don't think this Buck team is a Super Bowl contender even now. But when you're in the final eight, everybody's a Super Bowl contender. And this stuff happens. We've seen it before. And even if they don't, even if they get hammered in Detroit on Sunday, I don't believe in windows like I used to. I used to think, okay, well, it's not our window right now, so instead of worrying about the Super Bowl, we should be worried about opening the window so we can win a Super Bowl. Or when we were in the window, okay, now we're in the window. It's, but every year could be a potential window. Or even if it's not, the next year still could be. And obviously, we know how fast things turned from 2019 to 2020 when obviously getting Tom Brady was the biggest part of that, but not the only part. But this year again, I mean, who the hell thought this was even possible? And if they lose on Sunday, like I said, I still think they've exceeded wildly the expectations anybody could have. And I'm not a house money guy. I don't want to just stop just because it's house money. But it is kind of like house money. Like, hey, if they lose on Sunday, hell of a year, guys. And if they win, well, hell, now we, you know, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just thinking about the Detroit game. But it's an encouraging spot to be in as a fan because. All throughout my childhood growing up, it never, whenever the Bucks felt like they were bad, they were just bad. And they were going to be continuing to be bad for a while. And when it finally felt like it was turning around, which it did in the late 90s, it was a slow build. Finally made a playoffs, finally won double-digit games, finally won a playoff game, finally got to the NFC Championship in 99 but lost, then broke through. That's what it felt like it had to be like. But now it's not like that. Like now you're four and thirteen one year. The next year you're contending, or you're really good one year. And the next year you're. It, there's not windows as much as I used to think there are. So, either way, here we are now. There's no sense in worrying about how they got there. How to keep it going farther is the question, and we'll talk about that on the show today. Email me if you want to. Bobby Game Day at Yahoo.com is the email address. B O B B Y G A M E D A Y. Bobby Game Day at Yahoo.com on Twitter. Get me at Bobby Game Day. You can follow me there. Tweet at me. You know whatever you want to say or not say. It's all up there for you. And like I always tell you, I will not delete things, even if I'm wrong, especially if I'm wrong. But I want to talk about that Eagles game a little bit more because just before we get into Detroit, because like I said, what Todd Bowles was able to do. I mean, just some of the numbers are eye-popping. Eagles on third and fourth down, 0 for 11. According to PFF Pro Football Focus, there were 11 plays in that game where the Bucks were able to get unblocked pressure on Jalen Hurts. So I don't even mean they bulldozed the guy in front of them. They schemed up a guy just running free at Hurts 11 times, and that is the most since 2006, which was when PFF started measuring these types of things. They dialed up the blitz. It was 64% of dropbacks on Hurts. And I tell you this all the time, and everybody knows this already, but it's pressure. In football, it's pressure, pressure, pressure. And the Eagles have had issues with the Blitz all year. And Todd Bull, I mean, he was doing some just like laboratory stuff. Like if you, I, I retweeted one of them. There was a couple plays where he dropped Cansey and Vita Vea into – like they took a jab step forward like they were rushing, then they dropped into coverage. Vita Vea was covering Julio Jones, okay? Go look at my Twitter, at Bobby Game Day. I have the video on there. It's a repost. But Vita Vea drops into the, like, hook curl area of the defense, and he picks up Julio Jones. <laughs> like, this is the kind of stuff he was doing. And it was like full send on third and fourth down. He was going, and it was working. And, I mean, it was just God mode. Like, Bulls was in total God mode. Say what you want. We've been critical. 
And the Bucs had a lot of defensive breakdowns earlier in the year, and that was something we were critical of. Why is this happening? Big play breakdowns. And obviously from team to team, it makes a difference. One thing I am worried about this weekend, for example, you know, like I said, the Eagles, they've had trouble with pressure. Jalen Hurts had trouble with pressure. And the Bucs really, really did the perfect job of making them uncomfortable. Jared Goff's not the same way, though. Jared Goff has been pretty good against the Blitz. Blitzing him makes it worse. So the Bucs are going to have to come up with different ways to get pressure on him because he likes it when you blitz. So it's not like with Hurts, that was a, that it was a perfect match for what you know Bowles likes to blitz, and he's good at calling him up and dialing him up, and obviously it worked perfectly. But I'm not so sure that's how it'll go against Detroit, even if Bowles dials up what he wants to dial up because you know it's not going to be the same. Golf is better against it, so that's one thing that does concern me about this weekend. But yeah, it, it was and, and watching like Levante David making plays, tackles for loss, breaking through multiple levels of the defensive or um, offensive protection, I should say. There was that one play, I think it was DeAndre Swift was going right. Levante broke through, chased him down from behind. Swift reversed field to go left. Jalen Hurts had a great look at a crackback block on David, didn't want any part of it, turnstiles it, and Levante went right around him and then caught Swift from behind going the other way. And again, he just looks like he's bulletproof out there. I mean, he's an older guy. He's a veteran. He shouldn't be this good or doesn't seem like he should be this good. But he is every bit as good right now as he has ever been. And he has been good for a long time in the NFL. Cansey was the highest graded defensive player for the Bucs on Monday night. He's starting to come into his own. Yaya had a little tweak. In fact, let's go injury-wise real quick talking about Detroit. I know Yaya had the tweak. Shaq Barrett. And this is as I'm recording this on Wednesday. This is as of Wednesday, which was a light practice. Shag Barrett, Yaya, Chase Edmonds, and Godwin all took it easy today and did not participate. However, all four of those guys that got tweaked on Monday night, they all finished the game. So it's not like they're out. I think they're just resting. And I would not have any reason to believe they are in any you know danger of not playing on Sunday. And the Bucs, as, as far as you can be, playing your, what, 20th regular season football game, or, or 20th football game that counts, I should say, Second playoff game, 19th game that counts. They're in as good a shape as you could hope for. Baker Mayfield looked like he was A-OK on Monday night from both the ribs and the ankle. And, of course, it is a shorter week. They were off on Tuesday, which is pretty typical, and then back at it today. But, again, a very light day today. And if you're listening to this, by the time you hear it, there may be some more reports out about things like that. But Bucks seem pretty healthy overall, and so that's a good sign. Lions are getting healthier, too. One of the guys that they have gotten back, and he played last week, was Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who there was a little kerfluffle in the media. I don't even know if kerfluffle is the right word, but he went out and said to the effect of, hey, the Bucks have a really good young receiving core. If they had a better quarterback, they could really be something. Like just directly, directly shit-talking Baker Mayfield. And Mayfield responded in a good way. If I was Mayfield, I wouldn't even acknowledge stuff like that. But he just said – he also mentioned Russell Gage in his comments, Gardner Johnson. And so Mayfield said, well, hey, you know, and we love Russell Gage, but he hasn't actually played with us all year. So if he's saying that, maybe he needs to watch more film on the Bucks because it sounds like he hasn't really watched the Bucks that much. Point of it is, one of the most powerful cards you can play in sports is in possession of the Bucks. And a lot of teams play this card even when they really don't have a reason to have it. And I'm not saying even those comments are the reason because you can go all the way back to what I said earlier in the show about 
everybody in the league writing him off going back to not just before the season, but even as late as December this season. But the nobody believes in us card, and you'll hear teams that are like favorites to win the Super Bowl and are favored in every game they play, and they'll still play this card. And they, they do it because it's a powerful thing, but they'll find ways, just like Michael Jordan would always invent stuff, reasons to absolutely hate his opponent if he needed to. A lot of teams, well, nobody thought we could do this. They said we'd never be here, even though, hey, hey, you were the favorites. Like, you're literally like one of the top two or three favorites in Vegas to win. That type of thing, you'll hear it all the time. But the Bucks really can play that card. So, whether it's those comments this past week from punks on the other team trying to run their mouths, or just the general consensus about this year's Bucks team in general, or furthermore, for us longtime fans, the general consensus about Tampa Bay sports, not just the Bucks, but all Tampa Bay sports in general. Whatever it is, the nobody believes in us card is way out there to be played. And so hopefully the Bucks can play it and get themselves into that mental place. Because I always say, you can get as pumped up as you want. You can tell yourself, hey, this is a big game, so I'm going to try my best, even harder than I usually do. Of course, that's not true. You're always trying hard. But there's a place that you can't get to on your own, sometimes you need outside influences to take you there. And so hopefully the Bucks can get to that place. And again, I know it's the playoffs. It shouldn't matter anyway. Everybody should already be in that place. But you all know how it is, right? Anybody who's ever done anything, not just sports, who's ever done anything out of vengeance or whether because somebody pissed them off or whatever it was, even if you tried hard before, there was some place you got to that you couldn't just, you can't just go to it because you push a button inside your brain, you know? You just got to go there. And so that's where everybody needs to get to this time of year. We'll see how it goes Sunday at three. But like I said, this game worries me a little bit. I mean, any playoff game worries me a little bit, especially the deeper you go. But looking at what they did to the Eagles, I don't think they'll be able to replicate that. I think whatever they end up being able to do, it's going to look, even if they have success, it's going to look different than how the Philly game looked because of the aforementioned success Jared Goff has had against the Blitz. That's something that the Bucks or Todd Bowles have to get more creative to get pressure. Hopefully they can get a lot of pressure with just four or come up with some different coverages and things like that beyond. And it worked great against Philly. I mean, it was awesome. Like I said, it was phenomenal watching Bowles be like a mad scientist and all the stuff he came up with. And just absolutely blasting Jalen Hurts. I mean, how cathartic, and I, I have nothing against Jalen Hurts or Kelsey or any of those guys, but how cathartic was it? I think the safety was my favorite play of the game, or the, actually the stop on the extra point when they kicked the extra point but then had an offside penalty, so it moved them to the one. So they said, okay, let's tush push and get two instead. And that made it, when they missed, it made it 16-9 instead of 16-11, or 16-10 if they had kept the extra point. Even though they had just scored a touchdown, I felt this calm wash over me when that happened. But then the safety happens, and if you look at the actual play, Brian Baldinger, he's a great follow on Twitter, ex-NFL lineman, now he's a color guy and an analyst. He does Baldy's breakdowns. He shows the play, and that wasn't even like one of the plays where they blitzed a million guys. Like The Eagles were a total mess. This is the one thing, you know, looking back on that game Monday, in retrospect, the Bucs were fortunate to get an opponent who was that big of a dumpster fire because the Eagles were an absolute dumpster fire down the stretch, and it never got better. And the Bucs did a great job Monday, but they also had the benefit of playing a team 
who looked like it, it literally looked like they had just gotten 50 guys together who had never played football before and practiced a few times before the game. And this is a team that was 10 and one, the defending NFC champions, a Super Bowl appearance last year. A Super Bowl contender this year in total control of the NFC East as recently as a month and a half ago, and they look like a bunch of jabronis. So that helps too. And I don't think Detroit's going to look that way on Sunday. It doesn't mean I don't think the Bucs can win, but they were aided a great deal by that ineptitude. But still, like when, you, when the safety happened, that was my, hey, we're going to win moment. Like Even though the game was far from over then, and it's before the Bucs scored the touchdown, the ensuing drive to go for the nine-point quickie, but it's 16-9, Eagles have the ball, we're sweating a little bit, and then Anthony Nelson ends up getting the sack in the end zone, it was intentional grounding and all that stuff, and it was like, yeah, we're going to win. Then we score right away, and it's, yeah, we're, then, then it was 25-9. It wasn't over yet, but it felt over. I mean, 16 points, two touchdowns, two two-point conversions. They added the Chris Godwin touchdown after that, but that was my, yeah, the Bucks are going to win moment. It, it was very, very cathartic watching all that unfold. And let's give some additional credit, by the way, because the little things matter. And they matter even more in the playoffs, and they're going to matter on Sunday. And the stuff you kind of take for granted or may not notice, the little things matter a lot. And the Bucs are going to have to do them again and not relent and stay mentally tough. And what I'm talking about right now, Jake Camarda had a huge game. And he's obviously got a rocket leg. But he's been inconsistent this year. He's hit some bad ones this year. And in that game against Philadelphia, every time the Bucs had a punt that the end zone was in within reach, he put it down inside the 15-yard line. A couple fair catches. Uh, one, I think, hit the ground and was down by the Bucs. But he never missed long for the touchback. You hate to see the ball go you know, flying into the end zone like that. And it could have been other teams' ball, like the 12 or the 13. Instead, they come out to the 20. He hit every one of his punts on that part of the field. Inside the 20, inside the 15, really. And that, even though they were at the 11, you shouldn't get a safety from the 11. That directly led to the safety. And, and then indirectly leads to another touchdown on the offensive possession after the safety. And it changed the whole game. What if Kamara punts that ball into the end zone and they're at the 20? We don't get the safety. We don't know what the Eagles would have done on that offensive drive. But we don't get the safety. And it's still 16-9. And it's a completely different game. Like, that's a little thing. You wouldn't have no If that ball had gone into the end zone instead, you would have gone, ah, darn it. You know, and that would, you would have forgotten about it because we would have never known what did end up happening instead. But little things matter. Chase McLaughlin, he was nails again in what looked like was going to be a tight game at the time. Kept popping field goals through. Every time this offense stalls, and it's always frustrating, we always want touchdowns instead of field goals, but every time this offense stalls, here comes Chase McLaughlin, and he pops it through, and we say, okay, cool, good job, Chase. Wish we had a touchdown, though. But hey, it matters, okay? It matters. And the Lions have a good kicker, too. He's new, Badgley. They only got him, I think, in December. But he's made five kicks for them so far, including a 54-yarder the other night. So he's good. And McLaughlin's been doing it all year. He still hasn't missed, by the way, a kick that went beyond the line of scrimmage. He only has two misses this year, and they are both blocks. And so, you know, we were talking about Pro Bowl snubs and things like that. Like, he should be – I don't know. Do they even do the kickers anymore? Do they play flag football? He should be over there. If, if he can be. But little things like that matter a lot. And you've got to not leave stuff on the table because it's so hard. You get to this point in the year, everybody's so good. And every little thing is magnified. And it's so hard to win. Like, it's so... Like, I... You know, the Bucks now, this is their 48th year. They've played 23 playoff games. They're 12 and 11. 
in those playoff games. And obviously, some of those seasons, they've played multiple playoff games. But if you just look at years where the Bucs have won a playoff game at all, just doesn't matter how far they went or whatever, just years where the Bucs have won a playoff game, 1979, 1997, 1999, 2002 was the Super Bowl. That's four. Then, since 2020, 2020, 2021, and now 2023. Six years and 48, they've won a playoff game. So I w- people need to really, first of all, just appreciate how hard it is just to win one of these things. Just, want, just win a playoff game. And obviously, the Bucks' opponent on Sunday is a testament to that because they've only done it twice ever. And they only had one coming into this year. They're going to have to double that if they win on Sunday. So just winning one of these things is so hard, let alone stringing three or four of them together. And everything's got to go right in addition to you being really good. But little things like that matter a lot. So hats off Jake Camarda. Hats off Chase McLaughlin's special teams. You know, hats off to guys like that. Especially Camardo, those punts are, cannot be underrated, man. When you're hitting them inside, the, you know, putting your team or your opponent at the 10-yard line, 8-yard line, 12-yard line instead of the 20, that's a big deal. If you do it over and over, it definitely adds up over the course of a game. And it helped the Bucks' defense against Philadelphia on Monday night. Throwing some other numbers here, like I told you just now, Bucks are 12-11 and 11 all-time in playoff games. They are 4-6 and six in road playoff games all time. There have only been two seasons, though, where they've won a road playoff game, and it was both the years they won the Super Bowl. 0-2 at Philly was their first ever road playoff win, and then in 2020, as a wild card, won on the road three straight games to Washington, New Orleans, and Green Bay in winning before coming back home for the Super Bowl. So they'll have a chance to make it only the third season in the history of this franchise where they've won a road playoff game if they can beat Detroit. They are... Four and three in their prior seven games in the divisional round, like this one is, one and two on the road. And this was a cool stat, seeing this up on the screen on Monday night. The Bucks have won the second most playoff games of anybody in football since 2020, with now six, four in the Super Bowl year, the one win against Philadelphia in 2021 before losing to the Rams, and then this win over Philadelphia again in the wildcard round this past week. Only the Chiefs have one more playoff game since 2020. The Bucks are second. Of course, both of them have won Super Bowls, and both of them are still alive in these playoffs. So before I go, I want to say one more thing, okay? I always tell you guys at the end of my shows, enjoy football season. We only get, in a year where they don't make the playoffs or anything, there's 365 days in a year, we only get 17 of these things. And when they get to the playoffs, it's even more of a treasure because, first of all, it doesn't happen very often. And second of all, you know, it could end in any moment. A lot of times you lose in the first round. Maybe you win one like they did this year. Every step of the way you go, it gets increasingly rare. But even just the regular season games, I mean, football, and I love hockey. I love baseball. I love golf, horse racing, tennis. I'm watching the Australian Open. I'm a sports fan, okay? But football exists on another level that none of the other sports can quite get to. And one of the reasons, well, there's lots of reasons, the game itself is the biggest reason because it's the greatest game mankind has ever come up with. I'll always believe that. But second of all, it's just the structure of it. You know, I love baseball too, but there's 162 of them, and it's just not the same. And even hockey and basketball and all that, there's 82 of them. But the way it is with football, 
you know, it's just, it's a weekly game. It fits our sensibilities perfectly because human beings like to react and overreact. And, you know, football, you don't have a big sample size, so it's actually kind of okay to react and overreact because even in football, the season's longer than it feels like. But you only get a few of these things, okay? And playoff games, even less so. So this Sunday, 3 p.m., it's not a late night or anything like that. This is a great excuse to have people over, to go over to somebody's house. If you've got old friends you used to watch games with all the time when you were younger, and maybe you've got families now and you don't spend as much time together, this is the weekend. It's not Monday night, like I said before, where it's late at night. Put some steaks on the grill or just get some pizza or some wings and have it delivered, Chipotle, whatever. Have people come over. You know, put, make a big like little stadium effect inside your house or I got a TV on the back patio. We're going to do it out here. You know, make a little horseshoe and have the kids over, whatever it is. Really have fun with it because, hell, I mean, if they, win, if they win, that's great. We'll do it again for the NFC Championship game. But, you know, who knows, man? Not only this year, but what, what if this is the last playoff game they play for three, four, five years or more? Remember the lost decade of the 2010s? I'm not saying that's going to happen to this team. But you don't know, man. Like you, the, the, and your whole life, and your whole life, I mean, I'm 43 in my whole life. This hadn't happened very often, okay? And I hope it's not that way the next 40-something years. I hope the next 40 years of Bucks football is overall, you know, more commonplace to make the playoffs than it was the first 40 years. It's gotten more commonplace lately. But, you know, just have fun with it. Like, like I said, don't let an opportunity pass by to make a party out of something. And this is the perfect opportunity to do it. We're all going to be out by the pool. I'm firing the hot tub up. It's going to be chilly Sunday, but it's great for outdoor viewing. I think Sunday morning, they said, Paul Delgado said, it's going to be like in the 30s Sunday morning. It'll warm up a little bit after that, but it's going to be a chilly one. But still, we, we used to do this thing when we were younger, and this is before, like now I have a TV out there like permanently. But I remember in college, we started doing it where I'd get the TV and we'd put it out in the yard and run cable and stuff like that. And we only did it for the special ones. Like we didn't do it all the time. But before every like Bucks playoff game or a big Gator game in college, we'd say, hey, this one feels like an outside game. We got to put the TV outside for this one. And we'd do that. And it was always so much fun, win or lose. It was always so much fun. A bunch of people would come over. So we're doing that again this Sunday. This is definitely an outside game. Fire it up. Get a, build a fire pit and, and you know, put a TV out there. Run some coax or whatever. I mean, if you've got the app on your TV, whatever it is now with smart TVs, it's, it's easier. It's easier than it ever has been to do this type of thing. And have fun with it and spend time with friends, family, whoever it is, because it's the freaking NFC divisional round. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are one of only a quarter of the league, 8 of 32, still playing. And you can say whatever you want about them. And we have on this show, okay? And I, like I said, they still probably maybe you say, oh, they don't belong. Well, hey, maybe not, but they did it, okay? They did it in the regular season to win the South, and they validated it with a playoff win. So they're not just lucky just to be there like they were last year because they were in a bad division. They validated it with that effort against Philadelphia. And it's going to take all that and more on Sunday. But either way, it's just a chance to have fun. And that's really, at the end of the day, what this is all about, right? Like, the, nobody's going to get a job promotion if the Bucks win, if they go to the NFC Championship game, no one's going to get a cash bonus. Hey, your favorite football team is in the NFC Championship. No, right? It doesn't actually, your life is still your life. It doesn't change anything, but it's fun. That's why we all do it. It's fun, okay? So don't just hole up, you know, make it a social thing. Get with people you love, people who are friends, people who love the Bucks like you do. And even if they don't, that's okay. As long as they're not directly rooting for the Lions, it'll be fine. And just have a good time with it. And either way, 
We will be back next week, hopefully talking about the NFC Championship game involving the Bucks. But win, lose, or draw, we'll be here. So I'll see you on the other side. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to our good friends at Bill Curry Ford, the sponsor of the free stretch. Thanks to the Joes at JoeBucksFan.com, the single best place anywhere, TV, Internet, radio, for Bucks coverage. Keep it here season round, year round, but of course, definitely right now, it's all there. And most of all, thanks to you all for listening. Be safe, have fun, go Bucks, and wherever you are, good morning, good afternoon, good night, and go Bucks.